Hello, my friends. Welcome to the FBCC Chapel Podcast. The Bible says in Psalms how God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, it is our prayer that as you listen, you be refreshed, challenged, and encouraged to be a servant for the Master. And now for today's chapel message. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy this morning. You mind shutting off the, oh, sorry, I got this here. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I'm going to preach a message I preached in College Chapel, I think about four or five years ago now. And something that God's just continued to uh, bring back to my heart and mind uh, this passage. And the title of the sermon is The Realities of Relationships. And I hope one of the things that you get as you're in Bible College, whether you're just here for uh, the one-year program, or you're about to finish your four-year, however long God allows you to be here, I hope one of the things that you can at least leave with, uh, apart from you know the theology and understanding maybe a little bit more about uh, the Bible, is that you grow a love for people. And that's really what we're, we're trying to do here. The story's told of a, a cruel Roman Empire, uh, and the ruler's name was Emperor Frederick in the 13th century. And this emperor was curious to know what man's original language would be. And he was debating, would, would a child speak Hebrew, Greek, or Latin without anyone ever speaking any words to those children? And so he decided to isolate a few infants born in his empire and didn't allow them to hear the sound of human voice um, as soon as they're born. So he, his reasoning was that if these children never heard the sound of another human voice, then eventually they would speak the natural tongue of man. And he would be able to know, was it Hebrew, Greek, Latin, whatever it is. And so there were nurses who were sworn to absolute silence as they took care of these babies. And though it was, diffi- it was difficult for these nurses to do that, they, they obeyed this rule and never spoke a word to these infants. And for many months, these infants never heard a word, never heard the sound of a human voice. And sadly, within several months, all of those children pass away. The, the point of that, and I know it's a kind of a morbid way to start off the sermon, but the point of that is that we naturally, as humans, God has created us for human interaction, to build relationships with others. And, and this morning, I really just want to give you a, a short and simple reminder of this truth. Because if you're here this morning and you're serious about ministry, if you're serious about serving the Lord, then you're going to be serious about relationships. You've you've maybe heard a pastor joke before and say ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. And usually, hopefully, pastors are usually saying that tongue and cheek because we understand that in ministry, the people that God allows us to minister to are vital. And when we make people a priority of our lives, we ultimately reveal that Christ is a priority in our lives. Because one of the ways that we reflect and show the likeness of Jesus Christ is in building relationships with people and showing compassion for them. You know, you might not understand why we're so adamant here in the college about you investing time and spending time with church members. We remind you often, you know, don't just 
stand in your circle after church, but sit down and spend time with others and chat with someone about their week. Show interest in a child. Show interest in maybe some of the young people. Because the truth is, your life isn't going to get less busy once you leave this place. You might be thinking, I have all these projects. Some of you are working a job, trying to keep up your friendships, whatever it is. And, and, and you might be thinking right now, I'm a college student, I have so much going on myself that I don't have time to invest in others. You might even be thinking, people need to be investing in me. I'm here for people to invest in me. But I hate to break it to you, but life isn't going to get less busier for you. It's going to get busier. The problems are going to become more difficult. It's no longer going to be just your college bill that you need to pay for. You're going to have rent. You're going to have different things that you never thought about. And God is still going to expect from you to invest your life in others. And our heart here is to set you on a path where you see people as God sees them. And so build the habit right now that you're going to invest in relationships. They're a part of life, plain and simple. It's been wisely said many times that no man is an island. And, and that is none of us are, are void of others. And so we're here in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And many of you know that this is Paul's last letter. He's in prison. He's really awaiting for uh, a guard to come and knock on his door and tell him your time of, of persecution, of martyrdom has come. And it's interesting, at the end of his life what we find Paul doing. He's investing in Timothy. And really in this last chapter here, he's talking about and recounting all the different relationships that God has allowed him to be a part of. And, and I think one of the most admirable characteristics we th see throughout Paul's life was his love, his genuine love for people. So look at verse number four, 2 Timothy chapter number four, sorry, verse number nine. It says this, Do thy diligence that come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. This morning, we're, we're just going to go through these names, and, and I guess when you just read about it, just on the surface, it just seems like Paul is just listing off names of people that he, he wants Timothy to know and, and understand, and but I think there's maybe even a little deeper meaning that as Paul goes through these names and recounts these people, he's reminded of sadly some disappointments that others have brought, but he's also reminded of some of the blessings that these people have brought as well. Again, Paul had a love for people. He had a passion to see people get saved, to be discipled, to, to deepen their love for God and remain faithful uh, to him. And I believe that one of the motivating factors, one of the engines of his life in ministry was that he had a genuine love 
for people. He didn't see them as objects. He didn't see them as, as stepping stones to get ahead in life. He saw them as souls in need for Jesus Christ. He just loved people. And I think that's something that we can admire from him. He says in Acts 20, 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. It was compassionate. And it's wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to see Paul at the end of his life be able to reflect on some of the relationships that he made throughout his ministry. And, and you're never going to get to the point in your life when you come to the end of it where you can look back and thank God for those relationships if you don't start investing in them right now. It's not something that just happens by accident. Paul could come to the end of his life recounting what God had done through him and in him. If you're many times who focus so much on the things that we're going through that we forget that other people have needs in their own life as well. And again, I said at the beginning, but Paul was himself in prison and not a prison that we think of today in our country, but a, a dark, dank, damp cell. That's what his, that's where he was. And yet, even in that circumstance, he found it in himself to invest in others. And sadly, we allow things of far lesser degree to stop us from reaching out to others. Prison was difficult, but prison wasn't enough to let Paul stop, uh, to, to stop Paul from being an encouragement and help others. So I want us to look at three realities this morning about relationships, and hopefully this helps us out, and I, I, the nature of this is really just a reminder. These are things we know, these are things we understand, but it's important for us to remind us ourselves of these basic truths. Reality number one, I want you to understand that we need relationships. We need them. Again, in verse number nine, it says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. One of the reminders we get from this passage is that we have a need for relationships. The Bible is filled with verses talking about our dealings with others, how we spend time with others. And too often, even in, in a scenario like you are where you're surrounded by people and other college students, too often we're guilty of neglecting relationships. And whether that stems from the perceived busyness of our lives or just our unwillingness to open up to others, we, we all struggle with it. And if we're not careful, we can go through long stretches of our lives, never properly cultivating the relationships that God has placed in your life. I, I hope at the end of, of your college time here, you could say that you and your friends invested in one another that you truly got to know one another, that you truly learned what it meant to pray for one another and encourage one another. Because if not, and if, and if we're not careful, people can become just objects in our way for us to get somewhere else. People can be viewed as stepping stones for us to get to a higher position rather than souls that we can minister to. And, and in verse number nine, really, we really find a twofold lesson here. And that is number one, that we need others. 
you know, many times we, we view the Apostle Paul as some type of, of superhuman, some type of extra Christian. And yet at the end of his life, we find him exactly like we are. He had struggles. He had moments of fear. In this passage, he's battling seemingly some loneliness. And as Paul sits in his prison cell, he, he longs to see Timothy one last time. The, the idea as he's writing to Timothy is hurry up and, and get here is the meaning of that. And what a great reminder to us that if Paul longed for fellowship, if Paul longed for compassion, uh, companionship with others, to help with those feelings of loneliness, then we shouldn't be ashamed when we have those same desires as well. You know, sometimes pride tells us to keep to ourselves, to not let others into our lives, to not let anyone else know or think that we're struggling. On the flip side, though, humility says that we need others. Humility says that God brings people into our lives to help us. Humility helps us understand that we don't do it and can't do it on our own, and that God uh, allows us to have that companionship. Paul was lonely. He, he wasn't trying to put up this, this brave front. He very plainly let Timothy know that I need you by my side as my time on earth is coming to an end. And so we need others, but on the flip side, look at it from Timothy's perspective and understand that others need us. I think it's helpful to put ourselves in Timothy's position and understand that we have a responsibility to others to minister to them. You know, don't be the type of Christian that is just always looking for handouts from others, always looking for ways for others to serve you, always asking for other people to pray for you. Yeah, there's a, a time and a place for that. But also be a, a Christian that is doing that for others, that is praying for others, that is meeting the needs for others. And it's an incredible privilege that we have to be an avenue of encouragement through which God can strengthen the soul of another. And Timothy understood that there would be maybe some dangers involved if he chose to visit Paul in Rome. In a commentary I read, John Phillips, he said that Paul urged him to come to Rome to visit him in prison, to dare the dangers and to prove the measure of his faith in Christ. This wasn't a small plea because Rome, if you know historically, was the last place a Christian would want to be uh, at that time. Many Christians were scrambling to get away from Nero because of, of his warpath against Christians. And so this wasn't a small task for Timothy. There was going to be some risk involved. There was going to be some inconveniences to his life. But understand that we have to realize that when we truly minister to others in their times of need, it's not always going to be convenient for us. It could be at times where you're trying to do something for yourself or you've planned something. But at that moment, that individual needs it. And in ministry, you'll learn that, uh, very, that happens very, very often. And so others will need us. And so reality number one, we need relationships. This is a part of life. 
But number two, I want you to understand that relationships may bring disappointments. Relationships may bring disappointments. And if we're going to build and cultivate relationships like we should, realize that some of those relationships aren't going to pan out like you envisioned. And sadly, this is just the reality of dealing with people. You know, I'm going through something right now of an individual that I invested many, many years in, had prayed with and met with many times, and they're going through a period of their life, for for whatever reason, I, I can't wrap my mind around it, but it's brought me great sorrow and disappointment. And, and this is just a reality of ministry. You invest in people, you pray for people, you want to see the best for them. And yet, for whatever reason, they make decisions, they make choices that will bring great disappointment to you. And Paul understood, understood this. He talked about this in this passage. This is just a reality of dealing with people. And yet, let me encourage you, don't allow the reality of potential disappointments to stop you from reaching out to people. Learn this right now and you'll save yourself a lot of heartache in life. And that is that people will eventually disappoint you. And and here in this list of relationships, Paul brings up two individuals that disappointed him. He said, number one, that Demas fled the cause of Christ. In verse number 10, Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. I'm sure as Paul sat there in prison, his heart, a part of it was just full of sorrow as he thought about Demas. Now Demas is only mentioned a couple times in Scripture here in Colossians and Philippians as well. But what we know about Demas, what the biography of his life is, what we find here in verse number 10, that he forsook the cause of Christ because he loved this present world. It has the idea of deserting something. Demas abandoned the cause that he once dedicated himself to because of an infatuation with the world. And what a sad statement we find here. And yet, what a reminder to us that we all are still battling the temptation of this world. And I I would love to stand up here and say that every single student that ever came through the doors of Faithway ended up great. The serving in ministry is faithful in church, faithful to their spouse, loves God, has stuck to the faith. I would love to say that 100% of Faithway's grads and students love the Lord today, but that just isn't the case. Pastor Ron knows it. I know I, I went to school with those who have sadly forsaken the cause of Christ because of a love for the world. And it's a sad thing, and that's a, that's a discouraging thing that brings disappointment to us. And whether it was bitterness or perceived bitterness, whether, whether it was a love for this world, it happens. And there's going to come times in your life, and you might even be sitting by some of them, where you're going to have people that you invested into, that you went to college with, 
and sadly, for whatever reason, will walk away from the cause of Christ. There's selfish motivations involved, but understand that if we aren't walking in the spirit ourselves, any of the motivations of money or fame, many of those things have the ability to draw us away from God. When we love God, when we love his appearing as Paul did, we won't become like a Demas. So sadly, Demas fled the cause of Christ. But then Paul talks about this individual named Alexander. And number two, Alexander fought the cause of Christ. If you skip down to verse 14, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom thou were also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Now, not much is known here about Alexander the coppersmith. Some commentators have some ideas about him, but that's not really what's relevant here. What Paul is trying to get Timothy to understand here is that there are always going to be people who oppose the cause of Christ. And Timothy says that this Alexander did me much evil, that he withstood our words. And, and if there's something that you can learn early on in ministry as preparing, is that not everyone is going to be for what you are doing. And that might come in the form of family, that might come in the form of work, that might come sadly sometimes even in the form of certain people in church, that there'll be those who don't want to see you succeed and move forward. And Paul warned Timothy about that. Beware of him. They're gonna, there's going to come people who try to stop you from fulfilling God's plan. But it's interesting what Paul says there, because he says, the Lord reward him according to his work. And what Paul is trying to get Timothy and ultimately trying to get us to understand is, when those times do come, when there are those who oppose us, when there are those who oppress us, and when our flesh wants to just fire back at them and to take matters into our own hands, Paul says that God is going to, quote-unquote, reward them according to their works. In other words, allow vengeance to be God's. I haven't had it happen too much in my time in ministry, thankfully, but I'm sure Pastor Wall could attest at maybe times in, in his ministry where maybe there's been times where you've, you've been treated unjustly and the flesh says, what can I do to get back? I mean, from a child, that, that's, our, that, that's our natural human posture. I'm seeing it in my children as they grow up. You know, Ellie's always been sweet, but now when Jude punches her, she starts to think, should I punch back? And we, we always want to get back at one another. That, that's our, our human tendency for us to take vengeance, for us to have the last word, for us to say something or do something that's going to cut or hurt a little bit deeper. And, and understand that there are going to be those that are going to oppose what you're doing for the cause of Christ. And your, your flesh might have a moment where it says, what can you do to get back at that person? And Paul says, ultimately, leave it in the hands of God. The Lord reward them accordingly. You, you only make the problem bigger. You only hurt your own relationship with God. You only hurt the people that you're still trying to minister to by trying to take matters into your own hands. So Paul says, sadly, that relationships do bring disappointments. That there are those, sadly, who are going to flee the cause 
of Christ who once wanted to do the work of God. And there are going to be those as well who are going to oppose the cause of Christ as well. And you're going to want to take matters into your own hands, but you have to leave it in the hands of God. But lastly, number three, I want you to look at this reality, and that is that relationships bring blessings. There are, there are parts of relationships that will bring sorrow and disappointments. But by and large, as you, as you look at the relationships that God allows to be a part of your life, you quickly come to understand that God brings people into your life that are simply a blessing. And, and as Paul reflected on the people that he ministered to, that, that the people that he co-labored with, he was able to receive at this moment uh, thoughts of encouragement and blessings from those who stayed faithful to God. And we too, when we make and cultivate relationships, will quickly realize that people bring many blessings into our lives. It's one of the joys each Sunday just to talk to different church members and just to receive that blessing, for, to encourage one another, to talk about our week, to sing with one another, whatever it is. And so we see, first of all, the blessing of a faithful friend. In verse 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. He talks about this faithful friend, Luke. And there's something to be said about a friend who just sticks it out, who regardless of what you go through in your low moments, they stick it out with you. Many of you probably know the name Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was the first black player to play in the major league of baseball. And, and for us who, who live in a very multicultural society, we, we have a, a difficult time understanding the color barrier that was taking place in the States. But at this time, it was very much alive and real. And each time Jackie Robinson would go and play, whether it's in his own stadium or an opposing team stadium, he was always met with insults from the crowd. Well, one day as he was playing at his own home stadium in Brooklyn, he committed an error. He made a mistake on the field. And the fans, of course, took it as a reason to just absolutely ridicule him. It's one thing to be booed in an opposing stadium. In your own stadium to get booed is a, a completely different thing. And he stood there on second base where he played, humiliated his own fans, insulting him and booing, and booing him. But then one of his teammates, shortstop Pee Wee Reese, came over and stood next to him, put his arm around Jackie Robinson, and they faced a crowd. And the fans grew quiet as they saw Pee Wee Reese uh, standing with him and encouraging him. And Robinson later in, of his own testimony said that that arm around his shoulder saved his career. What was it? It was just a faithful friend. And Paul says in verse 11 that only Luke was with him. What a blessing it must have been for Paul to have a friend remain faithful to him by his side at the very end of his life. Maybe you've had a friend where both of you did equal amounts of things to get in trouble, and your teacher asks you, who did it, or the accusation is only made against your one friend, even though you know it was both of you. And you learn a lot about your friends, whether your friend says, 
I was responsible, or your friend says, sayonara, and tries to get uh, clear from that. We know what that's like. That, that wasn't Luke. Luke stayed with him. Luke consoled him. Luke was faithful to him. Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But then I wanted to see, secondly, that there was a blessing of a returning friend, John Mark. In, in verse number 11, Paul says, And take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, if you know anything about what happened with, with John Mark, on, on their first missionary journey, as, as John Mark kind of came as a helper, for whatever reason, we're not given the exact reason, whether it was homesickness, whether it was just the, the trip was too long, we don't know, John Mark returned to Jerusalem. And later on, as it seems like John Mark grew and learned from his, his mistakes, Paul and Barnabas are about to embark on another missionary journey. And, and Barnabas wants to take John Mark with him. But Paul, for whatever reason, had a distrust in it, maybe still left a, a bad taste in his mouth from that first missionary journey. And this led to a, a falling out of some source. The contention, the Bible says, was so sharp between these two that Paul and Barnabas split, that they went different ways on those journeys. But it's neat how everything comes back, and at the end of his life, Paul now admitted that John Mark was a valuable worker, and he wanted Mark with him in Rome. And he uses this phrase that he was profitable for the ministry. And the point is this, it's an incredible thing to know that one failure in the Christian life does not need to make one's whole life a failure. And, and, and as Paul is looking back at his life, he's recounting the blessing of a friend that returned to service for God. And I say that to say this, you might even right now have people in your life, you might even have siblings in your life who are wayward from God. My point is don't give up on them. Don't, uh, don't stop praying for them. One of, the, one of the recent blessings in my life, and I, I don't think this individual will, will mind me saying this, but one of my classmates in high school, Jeff Long, we, we went to high school, we went to school together, for, I think from grade four or five all the way to grade 12. And that's happened sometimes after high school, people take different paths. And I remember we, me and Jeff spent so much time together before every youth group. He lived right behind the church, so we'd go there, we would spend three hours, you know, his dad would make us food. And I remember for many years after high school, I was just disheartened because we'd spent all this time together, had all the same opportunities, but he chose a different path for his life for a time. And one of the blessings that I've had in recent years is to see Jeff come back. Back in church, faithful. I think at one point was, it was in the college night class. We'll come out to young adult activities. And, and my point is, that yes, it's disheartening when there are those that are wayward from God, but God's grace is sufficient to meet their need and can bring them back into the fold. Here's a blessing of a returning friend. But then I want you lastly to look at the blessing of a trustworthy friend. Now, not much is said here, and I don't want to read too much into the scriptures, but it says here in verse number 13, 
the cloak that are left at Troas with Carpus when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. Now, not much is mentioned here about this individual named Carpus. Your mind might be going to a fish when you hear the name Carpus. But the one verse that we get here about him in, in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 reveals that he was a friend that Paul trusted. That he had left his cloak and his books with Carpus and Troas, in Troas, and Carpus watched them until someone was able to pick them up. And Warren Wearsby, he makes a point that although this was a seemingly menial task, it was still a ministry unto the Lord. And what was Carpus? He was a really obscure individual. Not many knew about him. And yet this very small task of holding on to Paul's cloak and and the parchment and the books, he took seriously. And Wearsby said, I believe that there will be many in heaven that the Lord will reward for being faithful, dependable servants like Carpus. What's the point? Are, are you a trustworthy individual? There, there are blessings, um, you know, as you minister in church. It's an incredible blessing to look at individuals who are just faithful in what they do. You don't have to wonder if they're going to be in their place. You don't have to wonder if they're going to miss extended periods of time. And they might not even have a position that is in front of others. It's a behind-the-scenes type of thing, but they're just faithful in their task. And our church is full of those types of individuals, of people that you might not even think about, and yet they're simply just trustworthy people. What am I trying to say here? I'm saying that relationships, yes, there are those that might disappoint you, but you also have to look at all the blessings that come from people as well. And so let me ask you this morning, how are you doing in your relationships with others? How are you doing as you're in college, you're trying to develop a heart for people, a heart to reach out to others, whether that's church members here, whether that's coworkers, Because if your life is only about yourself, you're only here to absorb but not to give out, you're going to make a very poor servant of God. And at the end of my life, I would love for me to be able to look at all those years and look at lives that that I was able to touch and minister to because I I didn't, I wasn't self-absorbed, but instead allowed God to work through me. Again, that's not going to happen by accident. This is something that each and every one of us have to continually work on. And so don't allow the risk of people disappointing you or hurting you to stop you from ministering to others. I often think about Jesus Christ, where it says in John 1.11 that he came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, rejection and disappointment are a part of dealing with people. We ourselves are, are guilty of disappointing those closest to us. And so learn to be gracious and, gracious and patient in our dealings with others. But also remember that relationships bring many blessings along the way as well. And you will never get to know and understand what some of those blessings might be until you get past yourself, until you get over yourself and start investing your life into others. These are the 
realities of relationships. But this is what you're training to do. And hopefully you are developing in your heart a love for people. Because when you do, there's no telling what God can do with your life. So I hope you're investing into others. I hope you're learning to love people. I hope you're getting into a pattern uh, of, of getting outside yourself, meeting new people, greeting others in, in church, so that one day, when God gives you more responsibilities, responsibilities far past master clubs or Sunday school, when, when God allows you to have more followers under you, you'll have a heart for them, a heart of compassion for them, just as Paul did. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this simple reminder that you've, you've given us that we need to invest uh, in people. And Lord, it's so easy sometimes to, to come up with every excuse not to talk and reach out to others. We allow the busyness of our lives, we allow the circumstances or the hardships that we're going through ourselves to cause us to think that, that we can excuse ourselves from reaching out to others. And yet here, you, you give us an example of an individual who's in prison for trying to do what's right, and yet he's still using his last breaths on earth to reach out to others. And Lord, I pray that in some small way we would resemble that in our own lives. Thank you for joining us on today's Chapel Podcast. We hope it was an encouragement and a help to you. If you have any questions or are interested in knowing more about our college, feel free to contact us through our website, fbccanada.org, or on any of our social media platforms. And as always, may Christ be lifted up, God be glorified, and servants be trained for the Master's plan. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day.